Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Thursday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn CB. We're looking back at Wednesday. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. Um, uh, Uber, are they uh, 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 proper pay deals finally coming for Uber drivers, or not really? Uh, Schoolboy Rugby, uh, you won't get to watch it on Sky anymore. Apparently, oh, we'll get into the reason shortly. Uh, urban migration, you know, people leaving big cities for more rural areas. This is a thing. And Bushdoff. Uh, it was a party that went on for a very long time. And it's very concerning, and I'll tell you why at the end of the podcast. At the beginning of the podcast, though, uh, the fair pay agreement. Uh, is it going to happen? And if it does happen, will it unhappen once National gets in, if National gets in? If you're a business owner, and especially a small business owner right now, you've probably got your head in your hands. For employees, of course, the main problem is that they won't be able to get the pay they feel that they might deserve. As one employer said bluntly, an FPA benefits the worst performance and inhibits the best people, which is a little bit blunt. Um, but you get the feeling, because look, we all want people to earn a decent wage. We want to raise New Zealanders up to be able to pay for both the doctor's visit and their weekly groceries. And yet this collective bargaining system isn't going to benefit the majority of workers or might not. Being treated the same isn't the same thing as being treated fairly. What I'm keen to know is, do you want a collective agreement? Do you think we need this kind of levelling within the workplace? Do you want pay equity? amongst your colleagues? Do you sort of see this as the kick up the you-know-what that employers um, need to pay better wages? Or would you prefer to be able to negotiate your own wage, the opportunity to be paid on performance and to be able to negotiate yourself? Yeah, it is a bit tricky, isn't it? I don't feel like I'm very good at negotiating my own wage. Um, I give it a good go. But at the same time, I don't want somebody else doing it for me either. I also feel like if businesses can't afford to pay people properly, then perhaps they shouldn't be in business. That's another complicated stuff. I don't have any solutions. Um, certainly, uh, Uber drivers, they seem to always complain that they're not getting paid properly, but that's kind of like the business model, isn't it? So again, it's complicated. Michelle, what's your story? Hiya, Michelle. Yeah, I used to be an Uber driver. Um, I My last Uber shift was just before the very first lockdown, um, and I did it as a supplementary income on top of what I was already doing. Mm. Um, and the reason I did it, obviously, was for the flexibility. Um, there's a lot of Facebook groups with drivers, and there's a lot of very bitter drivers out there. Yeah. Um, but like the other chat was just saying, you go in, you know what the deal is. If you don't like it, get yeah. out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had the old moan from time to time about how things were handled. But at the end of the day, I just kind of felt, well, Uber's Uber. Like, I'm a little person in New Zealand. They don't really, felt like they didn't really care about me. They had their model. That's how it works. If you don't like it, get out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I just I did find that they were better than the likes of Ola, um, you know, in terms of the support. If you had a problem, you know, you could send a message and it was responded to reasonably quickly. Um, the drivers are all regulated. Um, somebody said not regulated. They mm, are. You've got to, so. um, got to get your P endorsement. You've got to have a criminal history check, um, you know, eye check, all that sort of stuff. You've got to have, corp- you know, commercial insurance. Um, and that's why I stopped doing it, because the commercial insurance, you had to do quite a bit of work to warrant 
keeping your commercial insurance. Yeah, it is a good point, isn't it? And, and I think you can apply it back to other things, not just Uber as well, especially in the current climate. Um, it's You'd have to argue it's not that difficult to get a job at the moment. So if you don't like the one that... I know it's a, it's a big step to chuck in your job and go and find another one, but... If you've got a pulse, I think you can get a job at the moment. It seems to be the... I might have that wrong, and don't get me wrong, I, I, the thought of changing jobs at this point absolutely terrifies me. Don't tell my boss, though, because otherwise all my negotiating leverage goes out the window. Uh, now, uh, one job I certainly wouldn't do is uh, professional rugby. Uh, that is because when I take my glasses off, I can't see the ball anymore. That's the main reason. Um, and that was certainly true when I was at school. It was quite embarrassing. I remember playing a game of rugby once and getting under the high ball and then it bouncing some metres away from me on the ground because I thought I was ready to catch it and it was nowhere near me. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I'm just glad they weren't televising it. And now they won't be televising any schoolboy rugby because apparently it puts too much uh, pressure on the schoolboys. What does Marcus think of this? All the schools in Auckland, the rugby schools, they've decided to abandon televising the first 15, which I think they were boots and all all in favour of. So it's just another sign that the whole obsession at schools with rugby has gone too far. And uh, they are backpedalling on that. And it just created monsters, apparently, this entitled generation of players that most weren't going to become anything but sort of gave them ego. And they sort of waltzed around because they're on TV. Sort of became re-Americanised with, like, finals for rugby being at Eden Park. And, yeah, so they've got this back into perspective. So that's happened. So they decided no longer to televise the matches. Kind of was a weird kind of an obsession with schoolboy rugby because they're just kids. Anyway, but no one's up in arms that they've cancelled. I think everyone has realised they created a monster, a monster of their own making. And also the monster of their own making is the whole uh, scholarships and bringing children across town to go to schools so they have rugby scholarships because these schools were defined by their rugby performances. Kind of crazy. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, until they prepared to televise, uh, you know, uh, concert band festivals, uh, school productions, um, you know, this, this, the smoke-free rock quest. Why, why does rugby get such... I sort of understand why the rugby gets so, such special treatment. And, and with, uh, you know, the promotion of women's sport being so uh, high profile at the moment as well, where was the uh, first 15 girls competition as well? Just saying. There was a lot wrong with that whole concept, wasn't there? So, yeah, like Marcus says, we're probably all pretty glad that it... I don't think we're losing anything by not watching the first 15 playing on TV, are we? Um, you, you wouldn't get that sort of thing out in the country, would you? Or would you? I don't know. I don't live there, but Kate Hawksby does. But I'm actually seeing more and more young people and young families moving into rural areas like ours, and it makes sense. Quality of life's better. It's cheaper. You get more bang for your buck. You get more space. You'll probably feel a hell of a lot safer than you do in inner city suburbs too. I used to think when we first bought a house in the country four years ago that it was a bit slow out there and I may slowly go mad. But the opposite's happened. It's stolen my heart in a way that I worry I'll never be able to give it up. 
There's something quintessentially New Zealand and calming about living among trees and hills and paddocks and birdsong. It's good for your mental health, not just your physical health. It's lovely to reconnect to in smaller communities where, you know, you feel like you belong. And I think that sense of belonging has gone from the cities. We all coexist in our bubbles side by side, but there's very little connection. More sustainable to live in the country, more low-key. I just can't put my finger on it exactly, but I just know I'd love to be able to live there full-time enjoying the stats of people waving goodbye to the city for good. Oh, you may have heard me mention before, I've got a cow paddock across the road from my house. So that's quite a nice balance. I'm not rural, but for some reason there's a large cow paddock in the middle of a sort of suburban area. It's some kind of weird anomaly. There's something to do with somebody leasing some land off the Catholic Church. But anyway, it means that I don't have houses across the road from me. I've got it. I've got cows, cattle, um, which is it's nice most of the time. Except when sometimes some of the bulls, especially, seem to moo or roar or bellow. Um, sometimes at night, and often during the day when I'm trying to have my little nana nap in the afternoon. But it's not all, you know. Not all roses out in the rural. Um, and as you will have heard, I also can't really pronounce rural. I struggle with that as well, with my dark owls and things. Uh, we're going to finish up here uh, with Godfrey Thurkelson, uh, which I think is such a cool name and sounds like exactly the kind of person who'd complain about the noise. He wasn't very happy about Bushdoff. I mean, who was? Who wants a 24-hour party? Let's be honest. You found the party. Oh. <laughs> Well, I heard the party from late on the Saturday afternoon, and uh, yeah, I, I was sort of wondering what the noise was. And and it's not uncommon over the last few well years, I suppose, um, for us to have loud noises sometimes on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, so I just accepted that this was the normal sort of noise that you know it'll go off when people go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And then they but, didn't they didn't go to bed for a well, very long time. Yeah. When I went to bed at eleven o'clock it was still going and I was still feeling a bit worried and I think well, yeah. well yeah, and and I had a good sleep but I gathered some of the neighbours the children just couldn't go to sleep. It was so loud. It was okay. eighty decibels of noise and I'm two and a half kilometres away from its source. Lord so, that, that is, yeah, for some people, it would have been worse than what I experienced. So when I got up in the morning, it was still going, and I thought, oh, I've got to do something about this. Um, so this is a great concern to me. I mean, I've got a few concerns. I'm concerned that uh, Godfrey Thurkelson has the ability to measure decibels in his house. He's just sitting there measuring how loud things are. That's... But that's only a minor concern compared to the fact that my um, youngest daughter turned 19 yesterday. She didn't have a proper 18th last year because uh, of the COVID shenanigans. So somehow she's managed to negotiate an 18th style birthday party for her 19th this weekend. Halloween themed. And it's at our house. Um, the invites gone out on Facebook last time I looked there were 34 people who were definitely going another significant number of people who were interested please tell me this isn't going to go for 24 hours that's all I'm saying and that I'll still have a house opposite the cow paddock at the end of it these are worrying times I don't want Godfrey Thurkelson turning up
and saying, mm, 110 decibels. What are you doing? I'm Glenn ZB. Uh, let's keep the decibels to a minimum. And we'll see you back here again for more decibels tomorrow. <laughs>